all of creation and all of the earth make straight the highway path for the right. That's the last time. Jesus is coming soon. Call back to sin. Wake up the same. Shout of the vein. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for a groom, we'll be at the church ready for you.
searching for answers far and wide. We're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know what we need for Say a word, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. Brian and Tito Reed this morning leading in worship. That's pretty good stuff, right? Got a dog up here this morning. That's skill, being able to play the guitar with a dog. I was impressed this morning. Well, so good to see everybody. Uh, last week, if you were here with us, we went on a journey. We didn't leave the parking lot, uh, but we took a reminiscing trip. And I just want to say this, those that listen online or those that were here and did that with us, thank you for trusting uh, our heart in that, doing that. Um, that means a lot and uh, we honestly we went on this reminiscing trip and I pray Jesus used it uh, in fact I know he did for some because some of you were even gracious enough 
uh, afterwards to kind of share me where God took you on that reminiscing trip. Some of it was good. Uh, some of it were those bad times we talked about. Some maybe even the ugly times that we talked about. But nonetheless, that Jesus and all of those things had compassion with us, right? That he was with us in the, the bad times and the ugly times. And those were the easy times to see uh, when Jesus had compassion for us. But we said even in the good times, right? Because the good is not perfect. He had so much more planned for us that even there was compassion, that suffering with uh, kind of moment in that and then we closed out the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few you ever heard that verse uh, it's going to tie into today so I hope that you continue to remember that uh, that we those are who his followers uh, are to be those agents of change and compassion as we leave this place you know that right that when we gather in church uh, I know we're not in a building but make no mistake this is a church it is the people it never was brick and mortar, it's flesh and bones, never was somewhere we went, it's something that we are, right? So we're the church, we're in this place, but as we leave, as we gather, if all we do is walk in this place and gather a bunch of knowledge, biblical knowledge, then all we've done is really go out and we're turning ourselves into spiritual bobbleheads, right? Anybody ever seen a bobblehead? Got a big old fat head. Got a bunch of knowledge, but ain't doing nothing with it, right? That's not what we want. We come together to learn about our relationship with God and then go out on these streets and be an agent of that same compassion and mercy that we see and have experienced from Jesus ourselves, right? And so the image we had last week, if you need reminding of it before we get into today's scripture and pray, was this image of Jesus being this compassionate Savior that in the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever we're going through, sitting down beside us on the curb with his arm around us, sometimes never even a word, just letting us know, I'm with you, that that's enough, right? And that we're called to be the same kind of people, to intersect in people's lives in the good, the bad, the ugly, just with an arm around, we're here with you, right? That's what family, that's what compassion uh, is about and so I'm gonna uh, read scripture and we'll pray here in just a second I just want to maybe encourage you to do this there is something powerful we saw it last week about reminiscing and I know I took you to some maybe dark places last week as we thought about those things but as I read this scripture today and as I pray when we're praying I want to ask you to do one thing can you do that for me just one thing not require anything of you to do in public it's not going to be anything weird it's just between your mind and God okay so as we pray I want you to reminisce on a good time a time that you felt so close with God that maybe you could reach out and touch him does that make sense you ever had those moments so when we pray I want you to think about that time and let's just reminisce on a good time uh, together and so I'm gonna read scripture we'll pray we'll reminisce together and then we'll we'll talk just a little bit on today's passage so Matthew chapter 10 he says this and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease every affliction the names of the 12 apostles are these first Simon who is called Peter Andrew his brother James the son of Zebedee and John his brother Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, no silver, no copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and say there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for that town. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. And I ask, uh, Father, that we just reminisce. I pray that you remind us of a time uh, that we just maybe, uh, as I said, felt so close that we could touch you. I pray that you bring about that intimacy today, that you remind us that, yes, in those bad times you were with us. In the good times, even still, you have compassion because, as we said last week, it's not perfect. Even good is not perfect. And so we thank you for being with us in those moments. I pray that the reminiscing reminds us of this, that every little step in our journey, from when we were a little child to where we stand today, Father, you've been with us throughout it all, even when we haven't felt it. And so we thank you for that. We pray that you continue to be with us, uh, walk with us in today's passage as we look and just speak directly uh, to our hearts as we need it. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So usually I take a, a smaller portion of Scripture, right? Uh, this is 15 verses, so it's a lot. But I did this because, honestly, the first four verses are just calling out who the disciples are, right? I, I know you guys know that. I know you have uh, the history lesson there. You probably could even quote who many of the disciples are. But I want to point out a couple of things before we go into the rest of the passage today, all right? These are not all of the followers of Jesus. They are the primary 12, right? It's the 12 that Jesus called, his closest travel companions, those that he obviously gave authority to in this passage. But make no mistake, there were other followers, many women that had followed him. We know some of them by name. And so all of these people... Uh, are following Jesus, are, are teaching the same things that Jesus are, is teaching now. But I want to take a, a couple of things here that's going to take us right back to where we were at last week, right? This ties into where, where we were at, okay? I want you to go back to the passage where Jesus is talking, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, all right? That's the moment that even led us into talking about Jesus' compassion. Because what Jesus has done, Jesus is God, but he's also God in the flesh, right? So he's limited at his time here when he's here on earth. And the compassion came from, if you remember, he even used the wording about sheep. He said, I look at them and they look helpless and harassed. They look like sheep without a shepherd. And it said Jesus had compassion. In other words, what Jesus did is he looks over this crowd and he's in that moment thinking, I'm limited to where I am right now. And I see all of these needs out here. I see all of the hurting. I see all of the, the people that maybe are sick physically. I see the people that are hurting emotionally or maybe spiritually disconnected. They don't know where they're going or, or even who they are. The compassion moment was looking out and saying, I see all these sheep and they don't have a shepherd. I'm one person. 
And that's when Jesus has this moment where he looks at it and says, my God, he looks out there and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Who's going to get to all these people? Who's going to go out to all of these people who are in need of a shepherd? They are sheep without a shepherd. Who will go? He sends the twelve. And it wasn't just the twelve, but he sends out others along the way. But he sends out the twelve. And before he sends them out, he blesses them and gives them authority to cast out demons, to heal people, right? To, to teach about uh, the kingdom of God being at hand. But before we get into what they do, I want to say this. They were an extension of Jesus' earthly ministry. And I want you to look around. I hate to break it to you. No plan B, so are we. We're an extension of Jesus' ministry. If you want to say, man, the world is such a messed up place. How many of you have said that? If we know Jesus, we have the answer. Guess who it's up to to spread that message, right? That's what he's called us to do. And that's what he's sending these people out. But before we do, I want to get to this. I love that as they are going through just the listing of the 12, two things jump out to me, right? One is this. Matthew is writing this gospel. It's an account of him seeing Jesus, understanding what Jesus had done and all the miracles that Jesus had done. But he gets to his own name and he says, Matthew, the tax collector. Just one more little reminder like, hey, I once was hated, but now I'm one of the twelve, right? So don't tell me. I want everybody to look at me on this, right? Even out there in the parking lot. I want you to know this. If you say, man, you don't know me. You don't know what people think about me. I'll never fit in. Don't tell me Jesus can't change the narrative of your story. He's a book full of people who were once something, and now there's something better, right? You don't believe me, there's tons of messages in here about prostitutes that gave their life to Jesus, met Jesus, had an encounter with Him, and now uh, are living this life as a follower of Jesus. Like, praise for how they followed with such a, a passionate example. You got a guy by the name of Saul who's, it says, breathing out murderous threats against the church, against the way, the persecutor of all persecutors, and now he is Paul, right? Teacher and follower of the way. David that was a shepherd that turned into a king. There are tons of stories about people who used to be, encountered Jesus, and now they are. That's your story. That's my story. So what you've done or, or what you will do really plays no bearing on the situation. Even a hated tax collector makes his name in the story about Jesus changed his life. The second one and the most beautiful thing, I think, in the story of Jesus is the man named Judas. I want you to think about Judas for just a second. Judas is mentioned here. It says, Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. That's always attached to Judas' name, right? But I want you to understand this. When Jesus, and we'll look at it later when we get to the passage in Matthew, but uh, I'm actually reading in Luke in the mornings right now, and I, I just read about the Lord's Supper, right? Him uh, having Passover with his disciples and washing the disciples' feet. Jesus is in the moment of walking through all that he's done through with these twelve. These trusted confidants. And it says this, that when Jesus got to the Lord's Supper, he said, now there's one of you that will betray me. I want to go on and tell you, Jesus had a little inside information here being God and all, right? That's how it worked. 
He knew who was going to betray him. He knew that it was Judas. He had a name. He had a face. He had stories. He had time invested. He had walked with Judas. But let me tell you the beautiful part. If you want to know about the love of Jesus, I think it speaks so loud right here. When Jesus mentions, there is one of you among you that will betray me. Do you know what it says? The disciple says, is it me? That's what the disciple said. Is it me? And they look around the room. Who could it be? You know what that tells me about this? And by the way, even going to the timeline, do you know that he washed all 12 disciples' feet and then told them that one of you will betray me? He washed the betrayer's feet in love and mercy and grace and in compassion. And then it says that everybody looked around and said, well, is it me or, or who is, is it you or what? Here's what it shows me, that Jesus loved so compassionately, so radically, so different, even to the one he knew would betray him that nobody could tell. i tell you who it is. You've seen how he kind of gives Judas a side eye. You've seen how he gets over to the side and talks bad about Judas. He's going to betray me. Talks all that junk. No, it says that when he said, one of you will betray me, he loved Judas so similar to the rest of them that nobody could pinpoint who it was. You want to know about the love of Jesus? That's my Jesus. So if you're sitting here saying, man, I've betrayed him. I've done this. Well, guess what? He loves even the betrayer. He died for the betrayer. Like Judas chose his own way. But I mean, it is available to anybody out here. And so I think that's a beautiful place uh, to look at. And I just want to tell you this too. I, I, I feel led to, to venture off here. And I always think of a young lady. Uh, that I got to see this example of face to face. I won't mention her name, but I promise you it was a real encounter. My wife was with me. We met this person in the streets of Birmingham. And this is to the person out here who says, I've never been nothing but a fill in the blank. I don't know what your blank is. I don't know if it's an addict. I don't know if it's I'm a felon. I don't know if it's I'm a, you know, whatever title has been given to you. One of my favorite places to teach in prison, and you know, one of the first things that I always love to do, when you go in prison, they're, they're known by a number. Say, brother, that ain't you. What's your name? And they tell you your name, and most of the time if they tell you your name, they're just going to say their last name. They'll say Adams. No, I want to know your name. And they tell you your name and say, that's who you are. See, you got the opportunity to be the son of the king. That's who you are. You're not a number. You're not an inmate number. Maybe in this facility you are, but he knows your name, right? And so you say, well, I, I've never been nothing but a whatever your blank is. And I think about this young lady we met on the street. She was detoxing from heroin. It was bad. If you've ever seen that, ever been a part of it, you know. I mean, she was shaking. She was sick. And it was all kind of stuff going on. There were other things about her story that had happened the night before that were horrific. And I remember us taking her to a hospital to try to get her help. And as we're sitting there with her, I just had to, I felt compelled to ask her. And by the way, I want to tell you, I think a lot of times we witness to somebody, we need to be compelled to talk to them about that. Don't just go on your own. Don't come up with some cheesy script that you're going to go through and feel like you're going to win that person, Jesus. It ain't up to you. Let's let the Spirit be involved. And so the Spirit was leading me, and I just asked. I asked her name. I called her by name, and I said, Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with Him through Jesus? And I want to tell you what she said marked me forever. She said, I used to. And I said, Hold on a minute, because I, I want to tell you, in my mind, if you've ever had a relationship, you still got a relationship. It may not be a close one. It may need be some, you know, coming back to Him. 
but he ain't left you. You may have left him. His grace is good enough that he's there waiting where you left him. I can't understand it. I can't explain it. I can just tell you it's available. But she says, I used to. And I said, well, explain that to me. And she said, I used to. I want you to listen to this. I used to hear his voice, but it's been so long. I don't hear him anymore. That's all, sweetie. That's good. I said, if you've ever heard from him, he's still there. Nothing you've done has changed that except maybe you've just walked away. I said, he's waiting for you to come back. Here was her words. She says, I'm nothing but a no good junkie. That's what she said. I grabbed her by her face. My wife was sitting right there. She's seen it on a hospital bed. I grabbed her by her face. I made her look up. I said, sweetheart, and I called her by name. I said, if you know him, you're not a junkie. You're a daughter. I want to tell you that message changes things because she broke down and it was like God spoke that to her. It wasn't me. God reminded her, you're, you're so much more than what you're calling yourself or what somebody else. Maybe somebody else has spoken. You're nothing but a no good junkie. I'd love to tell you the rest of the story was miraculous. I've never seen the young lady again, but I can tell you this. It, it marked me. I remember that, and I remember this passage. And I want you to just speak it over your heart right now. If you are in the, the group out here that would say, I'm nothing but a. If you know Christ, Scripture tells us if anyone, if you're anyone, will you please raise your hand this morning? I think that about covers everybody out here. If you're anyone... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. So you ain't who you used to be. He might still raise his ugly head from time to time, but you are a new creation. So Jesus loved in such a way that even a betrayer, right, had a place at the table. So Jesus' compassion is there. And he tells us that we are to do the same, to have compassion for others. So these are the 12 Jesus sent out. He sent them out, not to the Gentiles, and there was nothing wrong. Jesus had a, a plan for the Gentiles. But again, if you remember, he says the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. He's looking at the lost sheep of Israel in Jerusalem, and he's saying they look like sheep without a shepherd. So he's sending them out to, quote, it says, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the people he had compassion for, the people he was seeing in that moment, the mission at hand, show compassion. Go to the lost sheep. Show compassion. Can you imagine having Jesus as a teacher? Jesus being the ultimate author of compassion. He says, go and go to the lost sheep of Israel and show compassion like I show compassion. Love the unlovable like I love the unlovable. Touch the untouchable like I touch the untouchable, right? And then tell them this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's still the same message today. It's still the same gospel that we have. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what does that mean? In Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, we know He's always been, but before His earthly birth, his mission was told. In fact, if you look in the Gospels when Jesus reads at the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll to Isaiah when it was his turn to read, by the way, it was no coincidence what he read. He read what his mission statement would be. And this is what the kingdom of heaven being at hand is all about. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to all those who are bound. He is still about compassion. He's still sending us out to preach that same message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He tells the twelve, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Compassion and healing. And Jesus gave them authority to do so. Listen to what he says. You received without paying, give without paying. In other words, you didn't earn what's been given to you. You couldn't earn what's been given to you. The grace that has been afforded in your life, make no mistake, just like the breath in your lungs, you did nothing, nothing to deserve it. In fact, you did the opposite of it. You deserved, and I deserved the punishment, but received the grace. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. We were able to exchange our sin and pick up the righteousness of God where He laid down His righteousness for a short time and picked up your sin. That is the great exchange that we call in Scripture. And I get to exchange my sin for the righteousness of God. Free gift, unmerited favor, grace received fearly. He said this, it isn't to build you up, this is to build the kingdom. So he said, this is not for you. You don't go to take from this. You're going to give of yourself and build up the kingdom. We're to be people that go and wash feet, to serve others, to have compassion, and to tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty, and open prison doors. Can I tell you, I heard this statement a long time ago, and I think it applies so much to anybody that ever preaches the gospel. And I'm not talking about you got to have one of these in your hand because we all preach the gospel in one way or the other if we know it. But I love this statement. We are simply beggars telling other beggars where there's bread. That's us. We just found where the bread's at. Ain't nothing good about us. Ain't nothing special. We just know him. And we found about a love and we found about a food that, that fills us up that we can't keep to ourselves. That's what witnessing to other people is. And again, I'll tell you, don't manufacture that. Don't. Can I just be completely honest? Something that bugs the crap out of me. And you know why? Because I used to be this guy. I used to think it was so holy to have like a, a track on hand. Anybody know what a Jesus track is? You know, it got the, got the stuff. Man, it's a, that's annoying. I just want to be honest. It's annoying. I know we think we're doing good. If God leads you, by all means do it. But don't just walk up to a stranger. Let me tell you about the Bible and start telling them what they're doing wrong. That's not going anywhere. How about love somebody? How about show them compassion? How about show them grace and mercy that you've been shown? And maybe so much so that either God leads you to tell them more or they ask you, hey, if you don't mind me, what's different? Then, man, brag on Jesus. Don't don't brag on yourself because you ain't that special, right? You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not that special. Hang out with me. You, you know that, right? It's we, we point them to Jesus. That's all we've got, and that's all we need. And so the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I got good news for you. When you think about going and, and loving on others, when you think about going and sharing that story, I want to tell you this. The harvest is plentiful, but the harvest is also up to him. It's got nothing to do with you. Let me tell you one of the ways that I make it through this callings God given me to be out here in this parking lot. I, I'm going to be completely real with you. Can I tell you sometimes at night I worry and I sit there and think, man, I know somebody's not believing out there. 
and I, I, God, I, I'm trying to tell them the truth, but they're, they're choosing their own way. Can I tell you this? The only way I get through a calling like that is to understand this, that the harvest ain't up to me. It's my job to simply share, and I don't know a lot. I, I try my best to study and everything, but I, my job is to share what the Word of God says. And it's up to you to listen and to respond how God leads you. I can't make you do it. I'll be honest, if I, if I could, I would. Because I know it's the best way. But it's your choice. What that means is that somebody out here, if you pass from this life without accepting this truth, then there's separation from God. I don't want that for you, but I can't make you choose that way. It's up to you. And so everybody that you've talked to, everybody that you feel led to share with, the harvest is not up to you. Take the pressure off. It's up to God. You sow the seed. You throw that out there as he leads. And I just want to tell you this. Here's why I say don't just manufacture something. Don't just go out and try to be all preaching and all this stuff. One, here's what I believe. If God is laying a specific individual for a specific moment on your mind to go and share with, don't we just think that if God's got that worked out for you to share, he might have it worked out for that person to hear at that moment. Right? It, it just works so much better when he's involved. Because I'll be honest, a lot of that time when somebody walks up with the track, this is talking from experience, when somebody walks up with the track and they're like, let me tell you about Jesus today, and they go all through this, it's really to make themselves feel good about themselves. It's not even about the other person. Now, I hate to say that, but that was me. I felt like I was earning some kind of favor by God by telling more people about Him. But what was my motivation? It really wasn't even for the person. It was for me. You know what the Bible says? We talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. That right there was my reward. That one little second that I patted myself on the back and felt good about myself, that was my reward. But now you do the flip side. If God leads you, you have that conversation. Whether that person receives that message or not, and you did it honestly for their good and for God's glory, then great is your reward. He'll give it back to you one day and you can lay it at His feet. That's what it's about. It's nothing to do about the deliverer. It's nothing to do about the messenger. It is about the message, and that is Jesus Christ. I love this too. I had this wrote down, this passage, and I want to preface because it's not talking exactly about this, but I think it applies. So many people say, well, you're telling me to go out and be an agent of compassion. You're telling me to go out and be a minister. I don't really know what to say. And you're telling me don't even have a script, so I can't prepare. There's a passage that talks about persecution and, and if a believer's on trial, but I think it applies even in this. Listen to what it says. This is talking about believers that are put on trial and persecuted for their faith. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you this? I, I'm just going to be honest. I've had some what I thought were really good messages at times that I come up with. And can I tell you, I've taught them before, and they absolutely bombed. I'm talking about like people had to be like, was that even in English? Because I didn't understand a word of that. It was me trying to get cute or thought I had something. I, I just, I know this is a big shot. It's much better when God leads something and says something than when you say something. Okay. I, not to discredit you, but I'm just saying, like the Creator has a better message than we do. In that hour, when it's time, he'll give you what you need to say. All right, lastly, I want to share this. 
it's an often misunderstood and misused verse, Matthew 10, 14. And I just want to tell you, we got some sarcastic people in this parking lot. I'm number one of them. I can get smart with the best of them, right? And some of you say, man, uh, it's this passage about dust and you feed off. All right? Some of you have done that. Some of you have said one time, you say, oh, that person, I'm dusting my feet off of them. I'm done with them. And there's some pride and there's some sarcasm in that, right? It's not what he's talking about. It's not what he's talking about at all. I want to read the verse again. It says, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Here's what I mean. When God leads us to the responsibility to share his message, it's our job to proclaim. The harvest is not up to us, right? I, I said that a while ago. That's between that individual and God. So I desperately want everybody to respond, but I can't take the burden on me whether they do or not. I think that's what the shaking off the dust is. Giving them back to God. Say, God, I, I, I gave what you told me to tell them. Now when I leave, I'm going to shake the dust off and, and leave, it, leave it be. I'm going to leave it with them and you. The harvest is up to you, God. I know you're saying the harvest is there and it's plentiful, but you are the Lord of the harvest. So share and leave the rest to God. Right? Pretty simple. It takes the pressure off of us because I know at times I, I'll get out here and I'll teach even on a Sunday out here. I'll say, man, nobody was listening today. Nobody responded today. Nobody, you know, whatever. And I'll be honest, sometimes those are the days somebody walks up to me and says something and they're like, oh, they were listening. I didn't think it, but I got little perception, right? He's the one that does all that. He's the one that speaks to people's hearts, not me or not you. We share and we leave the rest to God. And so I'm going to finish with where we started. He has called us that know him to be agents of change and agents of compassion. I pray that you leave this place in peace, knowing that you know him, and in peace, knowing that you are called and that he will handle the results. Jesus here is at a point where he has compassion and looks at everybody and says, there's too many people. i got to send people out. Can I tell you what he wants us to do here? He wants us that are believers gathered here to leave this place and to go out to listen to him. And when he compels us, share about him in whatever way he's called us to, leave the rest to him. Amen. I pray you know him this morning. If not, what a wonderful, beautiful Sunday it is to meet him. And if you do, I pray this uh, helps land us just a little bit closer with him. All right? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Uh, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that are here this morning, those that know you and that could call themselves family with me just because of you, Jesus. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your compassion that we talked about last week and some this week. That suffering with in the good, the bad, and the ugly. You've called us to be those same agents of change and compassion. I pray that you give us the strength to do that, to listen to you, to follow your leading. And Father, we leave the harvest up to you. You tell us it's plentiful, but we know that you are the Lord of the harvest. It is simply our jobs to just be messengers of your good news, your gospel. And so, Jesus, you lead in that. If there's someone here today that hears the gospel for the first time, uh, that they give their heart and life to you, be the absolute best decision they'll ever make. And, Father, if we already know you, that, again, you just draw us a little closer to you. Help us to listen to you, first off, when you call us to do something. And that, Father, when we do, we just leave the results to you. Father, I promise that'll be a better way 
for us to live. We can be those agents of change and compassion, just like you sent out the 12. Send us out and put somebody in our path that needs to know about you. And we can just intersect, intersect that with your love, your grace, your mercy, and compassion. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.